Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Good Tuesday morning to you. That's the beginning of our week here on our daily podcast, beginning Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and coming off a great weekend of New Wine Ministry Family Fellowship. Patricia Joy Xavier, my beloved wife, knocked it out of the park on Sunday when she brought a message of healing and deliverance to the New Wine family and to our friends around the world that we're tuning into Facebook and YouTube. And so today we're happy. We have, are ready to go. Uh, we're looking forward to an amazing week. And I thought today we really need to uh, get into some serious business of the kingdom. I will not be on the air for the next three days, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Wednesday, Thursday, I will not, for the next two days. Uh, Lord willing, we'll be back on the air Friday morning. And so that's what um, we've got some business to take care of, some kingdom business, praise God. And uh, I'm excited to be here today. And um, I was up early this morning praying like you were and seeking God and getting some uh, insight to uh, his heart about certain things. And I believe I have something. Um, <clears throat> I discovered a book written by Jay Seculo. And uh, for those of you that know the ACLJ, um, Jay Seculo, I met him at the Founders Inn in Virginia Beach, Virginia, nearly 27 years ago. I think it was about 27 years ago. Jay was uh, walking the halls of the CBN uh, facility in the Founders Inn. There was a conference, and I met him in the hallway, and uh, this was before his great success 
Uh, I, I shared some things with him out of my young heart, and he graciously received what we had to say and about his destiny and future. And sure enough, man, he's one of the foremost freedom fighters in the country when it comes to uh, law and legality, and he's been fighting a very good fight at a higher level than any one of us could really imagine, uh, battling it out in the Supreme Court and in the in the in the, uh, the federal courts throughout the United States of America. And Jay and his team have done a phenomenal job. I think if they had not been there, uh, I think that we would be even further down the road than where we are today. But what I'd like to do is I found one of his books this morning in our bookshelf. And I won't tell you the time it was written right away, but uh, I think it'll be quite amazing to you to realize just how far down the road things have gotten. So what I would like to do, and I've got some scripture, I want to bring that out. And uh, we're going to continue talking every time I'm on these airwaves. Before we get off the air, Lord willing, uh, we will be talking about Psalm 91 again. I think Psalm 91 is the scripture for the saints in the year 2021 and the years that lie ahead. So we need to get that downloaded in our spirit, have faith in that word. Let it be written upon the tablets of our heart. Amen and amen. So let me say good morning, first of all, to our friends on Chatbook uh, or in the chat and Facebook is Charlotte Goach. Uh, gosh, good morning, Charlotte. God bless you. And I believe you're from North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. Uh, Brenda Torville is with us this morning in Missouri. I know that. Hello, Brenda. Good morning to you. Terry Shannon. Good morning, everyone, to Terry. Uh, Terry, I believe, is in Oklahoma, maybe Texas. I'm not sure, but Terry, either way. By the way, Terry, I did explore Podbean, and we actually have uh, now uploaded some of our message to Podbean. I need to learn how to incorporated into our uh, live stream. So, oh yeah, Charlotte is from O'Fallon, Missouri. I'm sorry, Charlotte. I don't know why I thought North Carolina. Anyways, from O'Fallon, Missouri. Good morning again. Jody Keene from Florida. Hello, Jody. How are you doing? Florida, sorry about what happened in Surfside. I mean, a collapse of a building. I heard they still haven't found out how many people have uh, gone missing in that terrible collapse in Dade County near Miami in Surfside City, I believe it was called. Surf City, Surfside City. Uh, really, 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 really troubling and prophetic to the core in my personal understanding. All right, Jody's saying, don't take the shot. I agree, don't take the shot, mamma mia. Uh, Carol, Paige, Carrie, good morning, all the way from Virginia. Carol's there with us today. So good morning to all of our friends. I'm not seeing anybody on YouTube. Not sure what's going on on YouTube yet, so hopefully we're doing good there. Let me say good morning to some friends that are listening right now on Blog Talk Radio. I see our friends from uh, right here locally. I see Brother Phil and Miriam, and I see friends from South Dakota. Good morning to all of you. God bless you. And um, but I haven't seen anything from YouTube. I can't imagine we're not broadcasting live there. But all right, let's get into it. To all of you that are joining us, what I'm about to share with you is was written uh, many years ago, but I think you're going to find it very interesting. And then we'll get into some scripture, and then we'll let the Holy Spirit navigate through the day. So in this particular chapter of the book, when death walks the street. Now, what I really want you to pay attention to is the timing. 
when this book was written, when these words were put into the book, okay, because it might be uh, very interesting to you. So here it goes. The word is acedia, acedia, and I'm going to spell it out, A-C-E-D-I-A, okay, A-C-E-D-I-A, acedia. Acedia is no longer a terribly common word, but it should be. Often the word is considered a synonym for sloth or laziness, but neither is quite accurate and comprehensive enough. The meaning of this word must be recovered if we are to understand why our country is caught in the current moral upheaval resulting in a prevailing atmosphere of death. The word helps us understand why television programs are saturated with stories of murder, rape, violence, and mayhem. The term clarifies why movies are filled with gratuitous sex and unsatisfying relationships and why the ACLJ's fight for life extends beyond the abortion struggle. So again, I'm reading out of a book, and here's the name of the book, And Nothing But the Truth by Jay Sekulow. And for those of you who were with me at the beginning, uh, I met Jay 27 years ago or so at the Founders Inn, and we had a brief uh, encounter, and he went on to do the amazing things he's done. And he wrote this book, and I'll tell you the date of it in just a little bit, but he's talking about this acedia and what it really means. So he said, let's paint a word picture of acedia. A high school student wears a T-shirt to school, stamped on the front with a bloody skull with monster eyes. On the back are the words, no fear. His bedroom is covered with posters of grotesque creatures with bulging superhero muscles, smashing through walls and knocking people's heads off. The student has a large picture over his desk of a shirtless, heavy metal rock musician belting out obscene lyrics to a song about the glories of homosexuality. The youth's parents are terrified that he may become a victim of one of the weekly drive-by shootings in their community. They have already been to two funerals for peers who were victims of gang violence. The school's dress code will only allow the teenager to go so far. Nevertheless, he does everything possible to cultivate a degenerate look. Baggy pants, a backward cap, and a popular label communicate his admiration for rebellion and social defiance. He likes to talk about the big timers, the crips, bloods, gangs that strike terror in the hearts of his parents and friends. Even though this boy is only 16, his girlfriend has already had one abortion. This to him is a status symbol of sorts. The young man has the ideals and values of a culture of death. He is on his way to nowhere. Get the picture? Acedia is indifference bred from an aversion to and negation of things spiritual. Let me say that again. Acedia is indifference bred from an aversion to and negation of things spiritual. William J. Bennett defines the term well as, quote, undue concern for external affairs and worldly things and 
an obscene or an absence of zeal for divine things. So what is acedia to William J. Bennett? It is undue concern for external affairs and worldly things and an absence of zeal for divine things. From this loss of transcendent and eternal values has sprung the current environment in which pleasure, indulgence, and vanity rule supreme. The great Russian dissident and patriot Alexander Solzhenitsyn described our current dilemma of social acedia in these terms, and I quote, he said, in the United States, the difficulties are not a monotar or a dragon, not imprisonment, hard labor, death, government harassment, and censorship, but cupidity, boredom, sloppiness, indifference, not the acts of a mighty, all-pervading, repressive government, but the failure of a listless public to make use of the freedom that is its birthright. Wow, well said. Our young devotee of alternative MTV music and raunchy rap lyrics is the walking embodiment of acedia. The personal problem of this young man is that banality has turned into destruction, the death of his own soul. The insightful English writer Dorothy Sayers adds to our definition of the term. She said, the sixth deadly sin is named by the church acedia or sloth. In the world, it calls itself tolerance, but in hell, it is called despair. It is the accomplice of the other sins and their worst punishment. It is the sin that believes in nothing, cares for nothing, enjoys nothing, loves nothing, and remains alive only because there is nothing it would die for. We have known it far too well for many years. The only thing perhaps that we have not known about it is that it is a moral or mortal sin. America is afflicted with a corrupted heart and a decadent mind. We are becoming decivilized. National tolerance is the camouflage of our loss of moral purpose, the illness called acedia. Are you getting this, <coughs> excuse me, idea of how our society is becoming what it is? A lack of spiritual things concerning God's spiritual things. You know, the worship of spiritual things without Jesus Christ is trying to go up another uh, go in another way, climbing over a wall, but it always leads into spiritual deception. So when you put that all together, a lack of spiritual things, God is dead, communism, uh, you see these things were growing. So he continued to write, America is afflicted with a corrupted heart, that is true, and a decadent mind, very true. We are becoming decivilized, that's happening before our eyes. National tolerance is the camouflage for our loss of moral purpose the illness called acedia. So, because our legal staffers, he went on to say, are deeply committed Christians, we believe it is our task to bring hope into a despondent world. In Matthew 4.16, we are told that the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And we know Jesus Christ is the light of the world. 
We are committed to fighting the darkness, even if at times we can only light one candle. Our warfare is against the very prince of darkness himself. The Wall Street Journal recently clarified how serious the issues are. Since 1960, violent crime has increased by 560%. Illegitimate births have escalated by 419%. Divorce rates have quadrupled. In this same 30-year period, the percentage of children living in single-parent homes tripled, while teenage suicides rose by 200%. These facts present every Christian with a profound challenge. Did you get the mystery? Did you hear it? In 1960, from that time to the time he was writing about was to 1990, 30 years had passed. All the things that we just read and the things that we're talking about were happening in the 1990s, the beginning of the 1990s. Well, we're another 30 years down the road right now. And you could imagine what Jay's new book would read in today's climate in America and around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, it is becoming clearer and clearer that our nation has gone into full-blown bondage that our children have gone into bondage, that our universities, our uh, entertainment and sport and politics and government and every fabric of our society from the family to everything else has gone into deep bondage. And the very best of the remnant, the survivors of this Holocaust, this onslaught that's been ongoing in the United States, that is about to be met with the death blow, and it's very real, what is coming. I'm going to show you in Scripture how I see this happening. And yet, there will always be Jesus Christ doing his work somewhere in the world among those who love him and go after him and call upon his name. I believe in the darkest hours upon the world that there will be pockets of light, just as there was a Goshen in the land of Egypt. And I believe that there will be light, and I believe that there will be the presence, and I believe that those Goshens ultimately are going to be home fellowships and gathering places among remnants of people scattered around the world, from the United States of America to the ends of the earth. I believe this with all my heart, and I believe it is a biblical pattern that we're going to see develop again at some point when God fully releases his plan. And I believe that God is revealing to those that have an ear to hear, you need to pay attention. The going back to the mega churches, the going back to the churches that had shut down, capitulated, tolerated, listen, they will only do it again in a future date. And God is calling his people out of these things into these little Goshens, these places where maybe 7 to 10 to 15 to 20 to 200 will be gathered together with a remnant mindset that will be of one mind and one accord, have one judgment about things that are going on in the world. The same Spirit of the Lord will be operating among the true saints of God who have taken up their cross to follow the Lord, who have a confession of faith in what Jesus Christ has done. Ladies and gentlemen, this book, 30 years ago, was written 30 years ago. And listen to this. Um, it says here in the following pages, and I won't be reading much longer, Paulina can help us get the problem in focus. He's going to tell the story about Paulina. 
The young exchange student came to the United States from Poland recently to broaden her education. True story. After being here only a short time, Paulina was shocked. She reported, and I quote, in Warsaw, we would talk to friends after school, go home and eat with our parents, and then do four or five hours of homework. When I first came here, it was like going into a crazy world. End of quote. Paulina found that adjustment meant more time going to Pizza Hut and watching TV and less time doing schoolwork. She quickly discovered a great many of her peers' values and behavior were unacceptable to her. Well, listen, in the last 30 years, it wasn't just going watching TV and going to Pizza Hut. They had these meetings around the world where thousands and tens of thousands were going out into these foreign places with the retro music and the weird dress, and only God knows where the people have been going out to feed upon the demonic stuff that was being served up, but it was true. And this, again, 30 years ago, Paulina had a growing awareness that something wasn't quite right in the society into which she had been transplanted. The Polish teenager concluded her reflections on adjustment to American life with the observation that the American lifestyle of leisure is not a good thing to get used to. End of quote, she said. Paulina is right. No one should become complacent about the escalating trends of disintegration we are facing. A society that accepts illicit sexual relationships, adolescent promiscuity, abortion, cheating, lying, stealing, prostitution, divorce, and now even murder is heading for the edge. Today walks the streets death. So death is walking the streets today. And I'm going to stop right there in the reading of this book. And what I I just found absolutely amazing about it is that, again, it was 30 years ago that those words were put into a book by Jay Sekulow and another author. And and you you fast forward 30 years from the 1990s, and you get into the, uh, the, the 1992 to 2000 Clinton era with all the debauchery that went on there and all the corruption and the secrets and all the things that were happening. And then we got into the 2000s and we went through the Bush administration and then came Barack Hussein Obama uh, to the White House. And, you know, everything kind of continued, but so subtly, so craftily, one law after another, one judge after another was being put in place to fast forward the corruption, the ideology, quite frankly, an ideology that was basically saying that God is dead. We don't want God in our government. We don't want God in our schools. We don't want God in our entertainment. We don't want God in our politics. We don't want God in anything. And that was in 1961 and two, they started that, that rant. And so we allowed that to take its place. And then subtly, while people were distracted, while people were going into the 1960s and going into psychedelics and free sex and uh, you know, worshiping on the altars of idolatry and Woodstock, et cetera, et cetera. And then came the infamous war and the distracted nation. And then came the legalization of abortion while people were uh, uh, distracted. And then came the 80s and the cocaine and the drugs and the, the, the money was going around and prosperity hit the nation. And then came the further corruption. And before you know it, we were in the year 2015 and we're passing laws through the Supreme Court of the United States 
and we're legalizing what was once condemned in our society that you went to prison for, the actions of homosexuality, lesbianism, and all these different issues that were going on. But we legislated them into society, making them normal, again, further taking away the restraint and the boundaries and the resistance of the uh, citizenry of the United States. And this is happening all over the world. And so here we are today in 2021. We have a divided nation. Uh, We are on a collision course, and I want you to hear that word loud and clear, a collision course, again, an unmovable object being struck by an unstoppable force, and you're going to have a massive collision, and we are going headlong into the time of collision, and I want you to hear the word over and over and over. It's by the Spirit of the Lord, and what we are colliding with? The nations of the earth are about to collide with God himself. Think about it. He is both the unstoppable force and the immovable object. God will not be moved. God will not be stopped. And yet the nations of the earth have decided to make war with him. And we have seen our nation, along with other nations, go into slavery, go into bondage, And that is a simple reality. Now, we're going to be celebrating on July 4th our liberty and our freedom as the freeborn sons of the nation, right? Well, really, we are a nation of slaves today. We are a nation of fearful slaves trying to eke out a living upon this earth, just waiting for the hammer to fall or somebody to pull out the rug from beneath our feet. We, we are trying to live in a normal mindset. We're trying to believe that colleges will be there, and I could send Joey and Jeannie off to school, and they're going to be okay, and nothing bad will happen, and it's a normal time. It is abnormal. Parents know today when you send your children off into the universities or the schools, public or otherwise, they do change dramatically. They depart from the foundation of the faith that you have labored to put into their lives, They run amok. They go away. The peer pressure is incredible. And this is a simple reality. And many of them never return. Some of them do. And we praise God for that. But this is reality today. You cannot go to a university today and live out your faith without being severely and seriously confronted. And you take the risk of not allowing your light to shine and your salt to be salty, which means that you'll be good for nothing but be trampled underfoot by the masses who wanted to silence your voice. And that is what's been going on in our country for a very long time. Silence the voice of the church, turn their saltiness into no salt, and don't let them let that light out from under a bushel. Keep it under a bushel. Go to your church buildings, but do not bring it into politics, entertainment, government, schools, universities, you keep it there. And those who have had a little bit of pressure and then it escalated, well, today it's a real severe battle. And look where we are today, okay? This is just a result of 60 years of full-blown warfare, 60 years from 1961, 1962, begin the invasion without a shot fired. And the tragedies that we witness in our nation are further evidence of a society's mind that has been made reprobate. A people, a citizenry that no longer live for the spirituality of worshiping their creator. And the very few that really do worship creator God, our father, 
and our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the one true God, the triune, one true God, the deity, those who uh, truly do worship him and love him are also being confronted in deep emotional, solical, spiritual ways, even physically. And God is saying, you're going to have to step up the pace. You're going to have to strengthen your inner man, your inner woman. You're going to have to get strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Your faith is going to have to be strong. You are not going into the way you've always known it. You are stepping into paradigms and conditions and atmospheres and environments that have been subjugated to the powers of darkness. They are very real. They are very intelligent. And because a generation of Christians went to church to have their ears tickled and their, and their backs scratched, there isn't much fight, really, and resistance against what the invading forces will be. And remember that acedia literally meant tolerance. And because we've been taught to tolerate the evil things in our society, the Christian church in America has become nothing short of the Laodicean church age. There's no doubt about it that we are Laodicea. We are in the Laodicean church age. And the reason why God deals with the church of Laodicea so directly is because he realizes that you're the final church. It's the seventh church in the seven letters. You're the final generation upon this earth, and you don't have what it takes to really resist, to really bring forth light and understanding and truth and wisdom. And I'm going to show you in the scriptures what we're talking about here. The prophet Jeremiah cried out to the nation of Israel. You know he did for a long time. And God said to him right up front, I'm putting my words in your mouth. Don't you dare deny what I'm going to say to you. And you make sure that you speak everything that I'm going to say. And sometimes Jeremiah spoke and he started weeping and going, God, this is unjust. How, you know, Lord, this is your people Israel. How could you say these things? And then God would take Jeremiah behind the scenes and show him what was really going on, kind of like Ezekiel when he went into the chambers and he saw the ancients worshiping with their back to the temple. I mean, this crazy stuff. So when God would show Jeremiah the sins of the nation, Jeremiah would become inspired and cry out even louder and say, wow, it wasn't even half as bad as I was thinking. I didn't know it was that bad, God. I didn't see these things in my nation. I didn't even know that. They only showed us the surface. But you see what the prophet will do, he'll be taken by God and apprehended by God to see things beyond the veil. The prophets of God will see things beyond the veil. And that's why this prophetic ministry that's there today, prophesying peace and safety and prosperity, I'm having a really hard time with it. And I think many of you are as well. I am not opposed to the prosperity of God. I am not opposed to real riches and wealth, which is a spiritual quality of life, having our needs met. To me, that is wealth, a deep spiritual life filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the divine nature, the character of God, the gold of Christ with my needs met. Are you kidding me? There's nothing greater in all the world. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his soul? I mean, it, all the riches of the world mean nothing. The true prophets of God are being apprehended by God, and God is taking them and showing them what was going on in these different places. He's showing them the corruption of our leaders. He's showing them the corruption of the Supreme Court. He's showing, and they're not so supreme, they are fools, quite frankly, to do what they do against God, to pass laws contrary to God. You see, you're going to have a collision course. The Supreme Court of the United States, the White House, the government in Washington, D.C., is going to have a collision with God in moments, 
And I don't even know how close those moments are, but at any moment, that collision is coming because they are fools. But they thought they were wise. They tolerated. They taught licentiousness. They passed laws that have condemned the souls of millions. You see, the homosexual community, these men and women are just being duped and deceived by a lifestyle that's really not from God. And it's only demonically inspired. And when they made it legal, they condemned and damned the souls of those who came in. They got married. They thought this must be right because the government says it's right and God is okay with it. And they had preachers in the homosexual community telling them it was all right. And this is with every other thing from abortion to pornography and all the other laws that exist that offend God. The Supreme Court, the White House, the government in Washington, D.C., and throughout this nation Wherever they have offended God, a collision is coming. I guarantee that. But you see, these other prophets that are out there prophesying uh, all these smooth things, all these, these oratory words of, uh, you know, all these great things that are going to start happening and all these wonderful things. Folks, you take Jeremiah, Ezekiel, any true prophet in today's atmosphere, and you bring them behind the scenes, and you show them what's going on in our nation, not one of them would ever say one kind thing to this country except to the remnant within it, the real remnant, not the general people, the general assembly of people that are, are, are so darkened by their own sin. The only thing he would say to the remnant is continue to separate yourself unto God. And even the remnant, when it got into Jeremiah chapter 41 and 42, was saying, Jeremiah, we don't want to hear from you. First they tell him, Hey, Jeremiah, what, go talk to the Lord. Tell us what we should do. This is the remnant. And the remnant's uh, telling Jeremiah, go tell us what to do. Jeremiah says, okay. He comes back. He said, listen, if you go down into Egypt, you're going to die there. You have to stay in this place if you're going to survive. And they said, heck no, that's not from the Lord. And so the remnant rebels the prophetic word as well. They go down into Egypt and they're killed. They're destroyed. So it's the remnant of a remnant that God will be healing. The golden oil of God's glory and grace will be unbottled in living rooms where seven or eight or ten people are. I'm telling you where the glory is going. Not just a church project of a mega church that has meetings in the home during the week. Maybe that served for a moment. I'm talking about people in, 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 in regions, in places that they live, where they have found like-minded believers. They are walking with the Lord. They're the remnant of a remnant. They gather together. The glory of God is there. And yet everything necessary to have an ecclesia, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst of them, they will have it. And the presence and the glory of God will be there in Jesus will meet them in those fields or in that house or in that warehouse, wherever they gather, and he will be to them a source of eternal life. He will meet their needs. I believe that, yes, the remnant of a remnant is going to experience miracles, supernatural presence of God, just like Israel in the wilderness. I believe the church going into the wilderness in these last days, the remnant of the remnant church, the holy sanctified church, I really do believe that they are going to experience God just like Israel did in their wilderness experience. And you know, in these last days, just prior to the greatest tribulation to ever break out on this earth, there will be a people going into the wilderness. Okay? So 
we're having a problem with this whole prophetic thing. And I was reading about it today. And uh, there's a sense of reality that you get from the scriptures. And again, the power of the word of God is it, 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 it eradicates the clouds of obscurity, the foggy notions that we have as a people, imaginations and thoughts and ideas that really aren't centered in the word of God. So we start thinking, oh, well, maybe it is going to be this way. And, and maybe what they prophesied is going to be that way. And, and, and oh, okay. And there's always a tendency with a smooth preaching to disarm people from their holy walk with God. Have you ever noticed that? When smooth teaching comes, prosperity, peace, all good stuff is coming, people have a tendency to think, okay, God's happy with me. So God is so happy with me that the prophet is telling me great things are coming your way. And they tell me all these smooth things, but they really didn't prophesy to the wickedness of my heart. They didn't talk about the debauchery in my soul. They weren't really nailing the bitterness and the resentment and the unforgiveness and the pride and the jealousy and the envy. They didn't really talk to me where I needed to be spoken to so I could be delivered and set free. They just told me that in that condition, God is so happy with me. He's going to bring healing and prosperity and money and wealth and success and all these great things. So what's the, I don't need to really concentrate on my inward condition. I could just think God's okay with it. God's okay with the way we am, And that's what they're saying in America today. God's okay with America today. God is telling America, you're coming back. You're strong. I'm with you. I'm for you. Here we go. Come on. Hold on. And yet the prophets that are prophesying that message haven't dealt with the deep reality of bloodshed. 90 million. I know my brothers tell me 80 million. I've been saying this for a very long time, and I tell you it's over 90 million. And it's probably even accelerated over that. And it's not just the 90 million abortions in America. It's the billion, 500 million, a billion at this point of taxpayer dollars that sponsor abortion around the world through Planned Parenthood. Very real. That blood is on our hands too. So the prophets aren't dealing with that issue. They're not dealing with the homosexual issue. They're not dealing with the pornographic issue. They're not dealing with the lying, cheating, corrupt issues in the church, the bitterness, the resentment, the gossip, the pride. They're not dealing with any of these issues. And all they're telling us is God loves you. God is for you. And I'm, I, I'm having a hard time with this. God is love. So I, I get that. But why would God tell a rebellious nation, I'm here to bless you? You're going to be okay. Your enemies won't prevail. I heard one man recently say, there will not be an attack for three and a half years. Well, we'll see about that. That is not a true word from God. That is a, that is a wrong word from the Lord. That is not accurate. There won't be an attack for three and a half years. We're attacked. Well, anyways, let me just stop right there. It, it's just so consistent. Listen. God may desire to bless our nation. God may desire to scatter our enemies. God may desire to bring his presence into every fabric of our society again. But we live in a society, number one, in general, doesn't want God for what God desires. So God has a desire to bless and to save, to heal and deliver and to pour out his goodness. But first God says, 
before I would ever do that in your life or in your nation, you must turn to me with your whole heart. You must repent from your evil. That would require national repentance. Even the church in America won't repent for its tolerance and its acedia spirit. Even the church won't repent. And all we want to hear is these smooth things, these good things. We want to hear God's goodness, but is it real? I mean, I know his goodness is real, but is it real that God's going to do that even though we walk in the stubbornness of our heart and the pride of our own hearts and the debauchery and the uncleanness and the wickedness of our own hearts? I mean, if you go back to Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot is walking and living there, it says his righteous soul was vexed every day by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Do you think that that vexed man's soul was just hearing the prophets say, oh, God is going to come and give you more money, a bigger house, better relationship? Oh, his soul was vexed because of the climate and the environment that had been promoted and, and, and fostered in that area, and he was living in it, and the demonic spirits that were running rampant in that society were eating away at that man's soul every day. And you think he was crying out for more, and, and some prophet comes along, thus saith the Lord to Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord is going to bless you and deliver you from all this pagan activity, and you're going to be okay. No, it got to the point where God sent his angels, his messenger, and he said, Get out of here, Lot. Take your wife and your daughters and whoever else wants to go. Get out of here because we're going to destroy this place. The Bible says in the New Testament in two places, Jude and 2 Peter, that any nation that follows the example of Sodom and Gomorrah promotes this homosexuality, this wickedness and perversion of sexual debauchery, anybody that follows their path, will meet with the same destruction. I believe the words of God. I believe that America has promoted and fostered that spirit of Antichrist, that spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah, and I believe it's going to pay big, not with the bondage that the people have gone into to the wicked. I believe the time of judgment upon this nation is here, and I believe you're going to see it with your eyes. I believe it's going to happen in this summer of 2021, which we are about a week and a half into right now. And I believe that God began the summer of 2021 with a building collapse over in Florida where people were sleeping and suddenly were destroyed, many of them, and everything they had was gone. And I believe that collapse is a prophetic sign from God. You may laugh at that. You may scoff at that. You may say, oh, that's, you know, that's, come on, you're just taking, pulling events out. And I know people that do that, that love the prosperity message. They cannot handle the fact that God's word declares that a society like ours will be judged doubly from what they did in the Old Testament. God's judgment in the, in the age of grace is stronger than it was under the law of Moses. If they were punished for breaking the law under Moses, the book of Hebrews says that God's punishment in the age of grace to those who pervert the grace of God will be worse than what was done in the Old Testament. You know, people are very confused about their Bible because they don't read it. They've been so accustomed. And let me just read to you what I'm saying. I'll read this real quick, just so you understand where I'm coming from. 
Hebrews chapter 10 says it this way. In verse 27, uh, there remains no more sacrifice for sin, so Hebrews 10, 27, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Verse 28, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite under the Spirit of grace. How much sorer punishment in the age of grace for those who trodden the Son of God underfoot. America has trodden the Son of God underfoot. And that's why I do believe without mixture I do believe judgment is coming in a fireball and there's a collision ready to happen. Time will tell if these words are true. Time will tell. I believe God has already confirmed his witness that people who are evil and wicked in positions of power in this particular moment are going to be met with death. I do believe that was confirmed. I talked about it last week, Thursday and Friday, that I just knew in my spirit that God was about to contend with the wicked people in this nation and probably all over the world. And that was confirmed this weekend by a prophetic voice. And I just didn't agree about one, a couple of things. I don't agree that there's not going to be an attack for three and a half years. I just disagree with that. But that same individual that said that also, with a, a, a truly prophetic word, it was pretty brilliant, quite frankly, he said that God was about to contend with the evil people in our society, and the people in the positions of power were going to be killed. He said it plainly, and I totally agree with that. So, so where are we? What is God doing right now? What is God doing right now? Well, to those who I call the remnant of the remnant, I could tell you one thing about them that I know. I know who they are. I know that the remnant of the remnant are those who fear God. Those who fear God in a very healthy way. They've been through something in their lives And they have met with the living God somewhere along the path. And God has revealed to them in one way or another, do not pervert my grace. Do not take for granted my kindness. And they learned that lesson and came out of an experience with God with the terror of ever doing anything willfully against him or against his word. I'm not saying that the remnant of the remnant have yet perfected. Sometimes people get caught off guard. There are things they're not aware of that just kind of happen. But there's a ever-present sobriety, soberness, awareness about these remnant of the remnant people that has the genuine fear of the Lord in them. 
They really don't care what other people say. They're not going to be influenced by the prosperity gospel of, of, of flesh. They understand the prosperity of God as a spiritual blessing in their life. Um, I, I really I know this about the remnant of a remnant. They would be terrified, shaken to their core, to even think that they have offended God in any area of their lives. And when they come come out and say, "Oh my God, I've I've done something," they weren't aware of it. Some things happened, and they you know you know when things are wrong. But there's some things you go that offended God. They are so quick to repent. They are so quick to confess and to cry out to God and hit their knees and say, God, forgive me. And, and also, the other thing I know about this remnant of a remnant, what I know about them, is that they cannot tolerate within themselves perversion, sin, corruption. They cannot accept it as being normal. They know it's normal to the human nature, to the flesh, but for them as born-again spirits, this to them is an internal war between flesh and spirit. And they cannot rest until the spirit gains the ascendancy and the mastery over the flesh and the dominion over the flesh. And they do this by taking up their cross and dying to self on a daily basis. And at big moments, they make right decisions. I know this about the remnant of the remnant. And if they cannot tolerate sin in themselves, there's no way on earth they will ever tolerate sin in their country. Why? Because they know the death of it. They know, number one, that that sin separates them from God. And that the promise of God is that those who sin without repentance will be eternally separated from God. Eternally. There's the fear of the Lord that God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't respect any man. But those who go after him big time, boy, does he put his favor on him, right? But God is not a respecter of men. He's not impressed with the strength of a man's legs. He's not impressed with the strength of horses. God is not impressed with any man on this earth, male and female, nothing, nobody. You're not pretty enough. You're not beautiful enough to get God's admiration. No, the thing that impresses God is the heart that loves him that desires nothing less than a purification, a sanctification, a holiness in a decadent, dark world of licentious debauchery. Come on. So this is, this is just the truth. So I know something about the remnant of a remnant. They fear God, and they hate corruption, sin, depravity. They have learned that God has the power to deal with the human lower nature. And through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of his Son and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God has given the weapons of war to those who believe and have faith to go into the battle and get the victory. To go into the battle and get the victory. 
And there is a battle coming, a spiritual battle that I honestly don't believe we could really fathom. And yet, I also know that the gates of hell will never prevail against the church, the ecclesia, the true called out ones. That's what the word church means, called out ones. In your personal striving and battle, your hatred for the things of the world, the flesh and the devil, not that you hate people, you love people for salvation, you hate the corruption, the defilement, perversion, because you know it'll destroy people's souls eternally and your own. So you haven't adapted to an ideology in your heart that says, oh, I'm saved by grace. I'm so corrupt and perverse and wicked on the inside, but I have a pretty decent external life, so I'm good with God. No, you will never accept that. You can't be at peace with the things inside of you that are contrary to God, no matter what they are. And you become super sensitive. Gee, did I just gossip? And do you know what the falling away is really about? You know what the falling away is? It is the drifting. See, I don't believe people are just, I mean, some people are going to just say, ah, I'm done with this. But I really believe that the falling away begins with the subtleties of simple drifting. Have you ever been in a boat? Even weighed anchor. But the anchor may not have been strong and your boat drifted. Have you ever just got to a place and just wanted to lay down in the boat and you drifted? Have you ever been driving your car and kind of distracted and you drifted into the other lane? You see, I believe that the falling away begins with drifting, subtle drifting. How do you drift as a Christian? You do listen to the gossip. You actually gossip. You do watch the corrupt television program. You do have a bad attitude and let it go. Don't pay attention to it. You neglect prayer, fasting, fellowship, Bible study. And if this, this neglect is what I call drifting. And you subtly drift away until you wake up and you go, wow, how did I get so far over here? How did I get into this position? I feel lukewarm. I kind of, as I was drifting subconsciously deep inside of me, I felt like the presence of God was not really as strong as it had been. I, I you know, I, there's something changed, but I, it was kind of imperceptible because that's what drifting does. How many in the church in the United States of America have drifted. Why? Well, because there was a prosperity gospel of ease and uh, peace and safety, and we laid down in the boat and we closed our eyes and we drifted. Niagara Falls is right ahead of us. A massive reality is just ahead. It may be as massive as somebody dying today and going to hell tomorrow. But the nation, the ship called America, as my friend has been saying, we're all in the same boat. Brother Don was saying it for two days. We're all in the same boat. We may have come to America on different boats, but we're all in the same boat now. And this boat is so 
far down the river. It has gotten caught in the great storm of Eurachlagon in Acts chapter 27. And Niagara Falls is right there, and people are sleeping. And so there's got to be an awakening. Will it be too late? You're not going to turn the ship around. The shipmasters are hell-bent on bringing this ship into the satanic. And the multitudes upon this ship who are going to die, the multitudes in the United States of America who are going to be killed, just in our nation, is unfathomable to people's minds right now. But I'm going to tell you the word of the Lord today is that God is taking his cup and he's putting it to the lips of every nation on this earth. And Babylon is going to drink this cup. The nations of the earth are going to drink this cup. I understand that biblically, and we could study this out, that we're in the book of Revelation right now. We're in it. It has begun. To me, it's a no-brainer. Holy Spirit, Revelation, it's here. No doubt, zero. And there are incredible things that have happened if we understood them, and there are incredible things that are being prepared to happen. And we're moving towards what is known the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth against everything called God. Satan is coming with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and God is allowing it because it's going to test the metal of the church and everything that says and calls itself by God is going to be sifted in the day of the Great Tribulation. Now, prior to the Great Tribulation, there are some judgments coming. There is some judgment coming upon this nation and around the world. We have seen a lot of it, but we haven't understood it. We haven't paid attention to it. If we had, the entire Christian church in America would have stood up and shouted to this nation all over the world what was really going on. But instead, the people were in the bed of Jezebel. They could not get out. They were in the sick bed. They couldn't speak. They couldn't rise. They couldn't change. And so here we are. The cup of the Lord, of his wrath, his anger, his judgment, is now being put to the lips of all nations. And America is about to take a big gulp. I'm telling you what I believe is the word of God. I'm telling you what the true prophets of God would be saying in a climate and an atmosphere like ours. And I do not deny that the remnant of a remnant will be set apart experiencing the glory of God. It's that clear. All right. So let's go to it. Let's go to it. Jeremiah chapter 25. Let me just read a little bit. And I was reading a lot way, way ahead of this. I was in 23, 24, 25. Jeremiah chapter 25. I'm going to put it on the screen for me. And uh, let's go here. The word of the Lord. I'm just going to read. And I want you to hear a true prophet of God, Jeremiah a true prophet of God. I want you to hear him. 
I want you to hear his words because he's speaking to America today. He's speaking to the nations of the earth today. All the true prophets of God, their words must be proclaimed. Because in the last days, the majority of the false prophets are going to be prophesying different things. So here's what Jeremiah said. The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah, all the people of the United States of America, the Judeo-Christian nation. Listen, allow me just a little liberty here. Okay, if, if God called Israel Sodom and Gomorrah, okay, if he called Israel Egypt, there's no doubt we can call the United States of America the people of Judah. Okay, let's just do that. So this is the word that came to Jeremiah to the people of America in the time of Jehoiakim. Okay, blah, 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 blah. Verse 2, here's the word. The which Jeremiah, the prophet, spoke unto all the people of America and to all the inhabitants of Washington, D.C. And he said this. From the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even unto this day, that is the 3 and 20th year, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but you have not hearkened. And the Lord hath sent unto you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, but you have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to hear. This is what God is saying to America. I've sent the prophetic word. I've sent the prophets. Not the prosperity prophets, not the Baal prophets, the Jezebelian prophets, not the prophets of prosperity and peace in a sin-sick society. No, I have sent the true prophets, but you wouldn't hear them. They said, here's what verse 5, they said, turn ye again now, everyone, from his evil way. That's the true prophet. You hear what he says? Turn ye again. This is what they said, verse 5. Now everyone from his evil way and from the evil of your doings. Now, who's he talking to? The Israeli people, the church, let's call it, okay? God's people. And it's not just those committing homosexuality and having an abortion and watching pornography. He's talking to a people of the internal climate of their hearts. You and I, inside of us, going on in our head and our hearts, attitudes, behaviors, conducts, images, What's going on? What's painted on the walls of our imagination? You have to understand the prophetic words of God that bypass external things that get down into the deep of our hearts, right? So he says, the true prophets are saying, turn ye everyone from his evil way, from the evil of your doing, and dwell in the land. Dwell in Christ, right? That the Lord has given unto you and to your fathers forever and ever. America was given to us by God. I believe that. I believe that God gave America to the ecclesia, the called out ones, people that were leaving Europe for a fresh liberty of worshiping God without the controls of the church in England and all these different things that were going on. And I believe that the patriots and the moralists, and they all came to America to be free, to start new, the great American experiment. But the majority of them were Christians. They made covenants. With the Lord God in this land, they covenanted this land. The memoirs are there. They covenanted the land of America, the North American continent, to God through his son, Jesus Christ. 
They built churches, not mosques, not temples for Buddha, not temples for Hindu gods. They worshipped the God of the Bible. They formed their government, built their schools, built their times upon the foundation of the gospel, right? So he's saying this. He's saying, if you want to dwell in this land, turn from your evil ways. Turn from your evil ways. Now watch. Verse 6. And go not after other gods to serve them and to worship them. Don't go after the gods of materialism. Don't go after the gods of Buddhism. Don't go after the gods of Middle Eastern philosophy. Don't go after the gods of this world. He was saying to his people, go after the one true God. Everything you'll ever need is in me, says the Lord. And he's put everything in his son. And so let Jesus be the one from whom we derive all the benefits of life. All those other people talked about him. They weren't him. Buddha talked about the way. Jesus said, I am the way. So how foolish to pay attention to people that talk about something when you could have the reality, right? Just saying. So he says, go not after other gods. Don't serve them. Don't worship them. Because if you do that, the gods of sex, the gods of money, the gods of power, the gods of success, right? If you do that, he said, you're going to provoke me to anger. So he says, don't worship them and provoke me not to anger with the works of your hands, and I will do you no hurt. So God has been saying to America, listen, I gave you this land. I brought your fathers into this land. You're the children of the founding fathers from the true patriots and puritans of this nation. You're the offspring of those who came to worship me. And he's saying, so worship me, and I won't harm you. I'll protect you. I'll be with you. I'll provide for you. I'll bless you. I'll do you no hurt. Verse 7, yet you have not hearkened unto me, saith the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. He's saying you didn't listen. And this is what God is saying to America today, right here, right now. You didn't listen. You have provoked me to anger for your own hurt. You're going to get hurt now. Wow. Verse 8, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words. What has America done today? We've taken the words of God and twisted them into a lie in our churches. We have turned away from the truth of God's word. We've either made it so legalistic you can't breathe or so prosperity, greasy, greasy grace, that it's so slick, yuck, right? So we've lost the balance and the truth and the weight of God's words that bring true freedom and liberty. So because you have not listened, because you have not heard my words, you cast them behind your back, behold, listen, I will send and take. All the families of the north saith the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing and a perpetual desolation. If I were to interpret that with my present understanding, I would simply say that the United Nations is going to 
bring a coalition of all the other nations of the earth. They're all going to be gathered together. They're going to hit Canada, the United States, and into Mexico. But the center of the target will be the United States of America. And they are going to, in, in this, this old ancient language, in modern terms, they are going to obliterate the United States of America, the North American continent, off the face of the earth. It will make it uninhabitable. Nuclear war, radiation, EMP, internal violence, whatever it is going to be, God is declaring in a dualistic prophecy what's going to happen. And he says in verse 10, Moreover, I will take from you the voice of the mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the candle. I'm taking it from you. You will not hear the sound of labor and industry, the voice of the bride, the bridegroom. You will not hear the voice of gladness. What will you hear? Verse 11, this whole land, here's the prophecy, this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment in these nations shall serve the king of Babylon, and in this prophecy, 70 years. Well, we know in the Great Tribulation, three and a half years, Antichrist will have power and will actually overcome the church, the believers. Revelation 13, very clear. In other words, they will have nothing to say or do during that time. To me, God is saying, the United States of America has entertained blasphemy for so long, I'm sending a war machine against it. And I'm sending sophisticated weapons of mass destruction. And whatever the United States may boast of in their arsenal, in their weaponry, in their power, they're fighting from a weakened condition because of the immorality in their hearts. And their War will fail against the global warfare that is coming because of the weakness of their hearts. Now, there are some military people out there that may totally disagree, but when God spoke that to Jeremiah and he told Jeremiah, tell Israel, this is what I'm going to do. This is what's happening. There was no ifs, ands, and buts about it. And I have no ifs, I have no ands, and I have no buts about this. This is what's coming. A total blackout is what the word says. I want to continue on, and I want to get to verse 15. I'm just going to skip down to verse 15. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, of the United States. The Lord God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ says to the United States, take the wine cup of this fury at my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. God put a wine cup, what, what, how it was symbolic, what it was, and Jeremiah was to go to all the nations with the words of God. I believe that the cup of the Lord is the, is the cup of God's word. And he was going to prophesy and release and pour out and put to the lips of those nations the words of God. 
And if the prophets of God in America would wake up from the double-mindedness, and if there would just be the true prophets of God to speak in our nation, but we're not just contending with the evil nations, we're contending with so-called Christians that refuse to hear the words of God themselves and will battle and fight to stand and say, God's going to bless America. No, he's not. God is bringing judgment. God is bringing war. God is coming to bring a knockout punch. And he's, he's got many resources. He doesn't have the king of Babylon today, Nebuchadnezzar. No, he's got other resources that he is going to employ to bring against this blasphemous, arrogant nation. And he's also telling Pro, uh, prophet Jeremiah, you take my cup and you speak my words and you pour my cup of words into the lips and into the heart of every nation I send you to. And don't you worry about it. I'll take care of the rest. You just open your mouth and speak. I'll take care of the rest. Then he said, in verse 16, And they shall drink and be moved and be mad because of the sword that I will send among them. Have you not begun to see the madness in our nation already? Have you not bore witness to the madness? The man in the White House right now, is that not mad? I mean, really think about it. Who's controlling the power? Stoudemire? You want me to go down the list? Kamala? Barack? Joe? Nancy? I mean, you go on down the list, and isn't it mad? It's like Mad Magazine. I mean, it's a mad, mad world. It's madness. God says, when they drink this cup, they'll be moved and be mad. You know what that word mad means, by the way? It's the halal, and it literally means they're going to become boastful. Um, The word man means to become foolish in that case, foolish. They're going to celebrate uh, kind of stupid things. They're going to act as though they are in control. But the words that I speak are going to cause them to act like a madman or a fool. So God says in his word, in verse 17, Jeremiah then took I the cup at the Lord's hand and made all the nations to drink unto whom the Lord had sent me. How did he make them drink it? By speaking. Speaking into their ears. Speaking, releasing, writing into it. To wit, verse 18, Jerusalem, sent them to Jerusalem, that's Washington, D.C., in my understanding of kind of dualistic prophecy, and the cities of America, Okay, the cities of America, and the kings thereof, and the princes thereof. So he's sending it to all the cities, to all the state legislatures. He's sending the word out. It's like 
Jeremiah going house to house, from capital to capital, city to city, telling their princes, their judges, telling their assembly, their legislators, telling all the people the word of the Lord. And then to make them a desolation, an astonishment, a hissing, and a curse as it is this day. So, oh, I could feel, I, I could feel the, the challenge in the spirit right now, and it's okay. It's totally okay. Not my words, God's words. I'm speaking what God says. You do what you want to do with it. Whatever you say, whatever you think, go for it. Reprove it, rebuke it, agree with it. Whatever you want to do, this is what I hear God saying. This is what I believe is the truth. Well, why is that important? Because it's God's word. It's God's word. Now, it says in verse 19, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and his servants, and his princes, and all his people, and all the mingled people, and all the kings of the land of Uz, and all the kings of the land of the Philistines, Ashkelon, Azza, Ekron, the remnant of Ashdod, Edom, and Moab, and the children of Ammon, and all the kings of Tyrus, and all the kings of Zidon, and all the kings of the isles which are beyond the sea, Dedan, and Tema, and Booz, and all that are in utmost corners, and all the kings of Arabia, and all the kings of the mingled people, the mingled people, give me your huddled masses, and all the kings that dwell in the desert, and all the kings of Zimri, and all the kings of Elam, and all the kings of the Medes, and all the kings of the north, far and near, one with another, and all the kingdoms of the world, which are upon the face of the earth, and the king of Shishak shall drink after them. In other words, Jerusalem, you're getting it first. America, you're getting it first. And then all the nations will drink the cup. And where's it leading? Into the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. Where are we going? World War III. What are the instruments of war? Nuclear, biological, and an EMP. First, the United States in this phase of judgment, judgment number three, here it comes, the third wave. Here it comes, the third wave of war. And then it will spread around the world. It'll spread around the world. Verse 27, therefore you shall say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, drink ye and be drunken, and spoo and fall, and rise no more, because of the sword which I will send among you. What is America going to do? It's going to drink this cup. It cannot resist it. It's going to drink the cup, and they're going to be drunk. They're going to vomit. They're going to fall. It's going to rise no more. That's why all these prophecies, America will be great again. You better be careful. It's those words against God's words. Those words, God's words. The only thing great will be God's ecclesia, which is a remnant of a remnant in these last days. And they will be in the wilderness being tended for. Understand Bible prophecy. Wake up to the truth and the reality. Spend your personal time with God through Jesus Christ. And enjoy the glory, enjoy your pilgrimage on earth. Now he says, therefore, in verse 28, 
It shall be if they refuse to hear these words, to drink the cup, to take the cup, if they refuse to take the cup at thine hand, to drink it, then shall you say unto them, thus saith the Lord of hosts, you shall certainly drink. And there's people right now, they don't want to drink this cup. They don't want to hear these words. This nation doesn't want to hear it. Nobody wants to hear it. People at church don't want to hear it. I'll tell you who wants to hear it. The righteous remnant, the remnant of a remnant who understand the holiness of God, who fear the Lord, okay, and hate what is evil. Verse 29, he said, you're going to certainly drink. 29, for lo, I begin to bring evil on the city which is called by my name. Oh, okay. United States of America today. And should you be utterly unpunished, Washington, D.C., he's beginning, you shall not be unpunished, for I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, in uh, January, February, March, April, uh, while people were going back to work doing their thing, there were, what were they? They were uh, service members from the, uh, the military and from uh, the different National Guard with fences and blockades. And Washington, D.C. became like a war zone. God said, I'm beginning to set you up. And I tell you, this is the word of the Lord. I'm bringing a sword. I'm bringing a sword on Washington, D.C. I'm bringing a sword upon the United States of America, a sharpened sword, a furbished sword, said the prophet Ezekiel. Maybe we'll read that before we go. So verse 30, therefore, prophesy thou against them all these words and say unto them, the Lord shall roar from on high. And utter his voice from his holy habitation. He shall mightily roar upon his habitation. He shall give a shout as they that tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. There's a treading coming. War is coming. A trampling is coming. Wake up. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 31. A noise shall come even to the ends of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with the nations. He will plead with all flesh. He will give them that are wicked to the sword, saith the Lord. He's been doing it for a long time. He's been doing it for a long time. Now, can you imagine Jeremiah speaking these words and they were red-faced and look how, you know, what are you saying to us, right? Verse 32, thus saith the Lord of hosts, behold, evil shall go forth from nation to nation, and a great whirlwind shall be raised up from the coast of the earth. It's coming. The whirlwind of God is going to hit this nation. The whirlwind of God. Massive hurricane, something of a magnitude, this country, a nuclear strike, 7 to 15 suitcase nukes going off on the same day in seven to 15 major cities across the United States of America, a nuclear bomb going off in Washington, D.C., obliterating the present government that is there, Uh, war hitting this nation, outside sources, uh, multitudes of sky events from asteroids and meteorites and comets and all kinds of shakings in the heaven and shakings upon the earth and 
all kinds of global earthquakes and shakings and more pestilences and more releases of diabolical things. Understand where it's going. It's written. It is written. Well, it's going to go with this whirlwind from nation to nation, from the coasts of the earth, from the coasts of the earth, get ready, the coast, west coast, east coast particularly. Um, Verse 33, and the slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented, neither gathered nor buried. They shall be dung upon the ground. So many dead bodies, they will not bury them. Now you tell me what kind of an atmosphere that is. In verse 34, here's a word to the shepherds, to the pastors, to the ministers of the gospel. Howl. And it's also to the leadership in America. I believe this is Congress, Senate, White House, Judiciary, Legislative, Judiciary, all of it. He says, howl, you shepherds, and cry. And wallow yourselves in the ashes, you principal of the flock, for the days of your slaughter and of your dispersions are accomplished. And you shall fall like a pleasant vessel. In other words, you're going to be broken to smithereens. In other words, God just issued a decree to the United States of American leadership government from the church house to the White House, everything in between. Your day is now come. And what did he say he was going to do? He said, you ought to howl and cry and wallow yourselves in the ashes for the days of your slaughter and your dispersions are accomplished. They're here. I'm living my life. I'm getting off this program in a moment. I'm going, I've got business to do. Kingdom business. Jeremiah spoke these words to the nation, and he went about God's business. I don't know about you, but I'm going about my father's business while these words are proclaimed. I'm not going to change the word of God so I can make my life easier, mentally, emotionally, consciously, subconsciously. No, I'm going to walk with an ever-knowing reality in my spirit. These things will be fulfilled. My desire is to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. I am on kingdom business, and that's where I'm going to stay, and I'm going to live my life. God brought me to where I live. I live with wonderful people. I love God, and I thank God for everything he's done. I'm not hanging out in the world doing stupid things. I love the life that God has given me, and I know these things will be fulfilled. They are the truth. They are the truth. What they do for me is provoke me to a higher walk with God, a closer walk with the Lord, more intimacy, more Holy Spirit. I want to sit down. I want to hear his voice. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to live in the Spirit. I receive all the covenant blessings. My needs are met, but I have an internal, eternal reality going on inside of me. And that's where you should be. And that's what God's calling you to. You should press into the word of God. Love Jesus Christ. Stop twisting the word. Just take it as it is. Take God's word. If they reprove and rebuke and convict you, receive them and be better for it. Do not tickle your ears and don't ask people to tickle yours. The shepherds that have tickled ears, their time of accountability is at the door. Their slaughter is coming. 
Verse 35, and the shepherds shall have no way to flee. The government's not going to be able to flee. Their underground bunkers, their little tunnels, there's no way out. They're not going to flee anywhere. Nor the principle of the flock to escape. The, 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 the government, the higher-ups, the principle of the flock, they're not escaping. God is saying they are about to die. And that's what the prophet said the other day. I disagreed with something. Time will tell. But he spoke and he said, in confirmation, they're going to be killed. I don't know how God's going to do it. But get ready, because the nation is coming under fire. Judgment, whirlwind, he's saying it. And then, verse 36, a voice of the cry of the shepherds and a howling of the principle of the flock shall be heard for the Lord has spoiled their pasture. You know all these rich people in our world today? You know all those guys in Congress and Senate and the judiciary that have perverted the grace of God, slaughtered innocent blood, promoted evil things? You know what? Their day is coming, the day of their slaughter. God is going to spoil their pasture, all their rich homes, all their beautiful pleasantries. It's coming to an end. It's coming to an end because they have been at best sold out to something other than God himself and his son. They have pretended, they have played, and they're going to be stripped naked. And their nakedness is going to show up and they're going to be ashamed for what they did with their power. This is God's word, not mine. Then he said in verse 37, And the peaceable habitations are cut down, no more peace, because of the fierce anger of the Lord. He has, this is the anger of the Lord, and the Lord has forsaken his covert. He's been in hiding. As the lion, for their land is desolate because of the fierceness of the oppressor and because of his fierce anger. This is what I release. This is what I lay down, and I will never change from this course. This is God's word to America today. This is where the world is going. Hold on. Become the remnant of a remnant. If you have drifted, return. Now, return. If you have slowed down in the process of getting cleaned up before the Lord, quicken it. Get back to getting right with God in your heart until there's nothing left inside of you that is opposing him. Pray, fast, whatever it takes, commune with God. Folks, I do believe for the remnant of a remnant, this is going to be the most amazing time on the face of the earth. I do believe at this very time that I just declared by the word of the Lord, in the midst, in pockets, Jesus is going to be healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils. Blind men will see. Deaf men will hear. Lame men will walk. Mute men will talk. They will get out of their wheelchairs. They'll be standing around in an environment going, how could this be? Those who did not hear will hear the words of God and rejoice. 
Those that could not see will see the glory of God and rejoice. Those who were sick will be healed and say, surely the Lord has done great things. Surely the Lord has done great things. Well, this is it for me today. I will not be back on the air until Friday. And I wish you a great Wednesday and a Thursday and the rest of this day. And Lord willing, we'll see you Friday on the air. Got some business to tend to. I do want to say before I leave today, I just want to say hello to some of our friends out there in Facebook land. Let's see. Facebook, YouTube. All right. So we said all of our good mornings this morning. And then I saw uh, River Christian Center Pastor. I'm on YouTube. There you are, Pastor Jeff. Thank you. Uh, the River uh, Pastor, I'm on YouTube. Gotcha. Kenneth Bruns, loud and clear. Carol, 11 dead, 150 missing. That's true. Uh, Joyce, good morning to you. You are on YouTube. Thank you. Jody, I've never seen an idol. The Gentiles didn't love. Isn't that the truth? Praise God. Carol, I'm here. Or switch from Facebook to YouTube. Good. Don't shed on me. Jody's saying about the shot. Get the shot. They're going to shed. Uh, Keith, hey, Pastor Vince. I'm here. Just completed some doctor phone arrangements. Prayer, aspirous sin. I cannot seem to shake off about looking at women in the clothing they wear to be free in my walk. Keith, I agree with you that God will give you eyes that will see beyond the external into the heart and recognize the desperate need. I will pray for you, Keith. God bless you for your honesty. Uh, Jody, weird. Gay pride rainbow symbols invasion happening at the same time as the in the days of Noah. Yeah, all over the country. It was June month. Uh, got it, Jody. Diane, Ken and Diane Blaze. Good morning, Pastor. Thank you for this powerful message. Wake up, America. World to the truth. Thank you. Been missing you guys. Haven't seen you in a long time. Won't be able to see you tomorrow either, but we'll see you soon, hopefully this weekend. Wendy Timmons, because there is a great demonic deception, many have no eyes to see their or ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. God have mercy. I agree, Wendy. It's a sad time in America and around the world in the church of Jesus Christ. Jody, the remnant of the remnant hates mixing the unholy with the holy. Totally agree. Don't mix the holy with the unholy. Agree. Kevin Hauger, good morning, Pastor V and all. Sixth scroll has been opened by what I see. Wow, Kevin, that's right where I'm at. I'm with you on that one. We need to teach that very soon. A little leaven has an effect on the whole. Good word, Pastor. Thank you, Keith. Cindy, good morning. God bless you. Samuel Grimes, good morning. Just tuning in uh, around 10.08 this morning. Uh, Keith Carey, we cannot even recognize the America we had February 6, 2020. Isn't it the truth? Uh, also, PW, amen. Thank you for preaching the truth. You're welcome, PW, whoever that is. Um, Cindy, good morning. Felicia DeVore, good morning. We have amens there. Felicia DeVore, yes, Lord. Felicia DeVore, yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Shirley Woolsey will be in Arkansas next week. Hope to meet and attend your service. Thank you for speaking the truth. You're welcome. I can't wait to meet you, Shirley. God bless you. And Felicia Divorce says amen. All right, folks, that's it for me. I want to thank everybody for supporting this ministry with your prayers. We're on the front lines. We're saying things a lot of people don't say. Thank you for interceding for Patricia and I and our new wine ministry family. Maybe this summer you could come on out to Arkansas and join us for a service or two. We'd love to meet with you. Also, thank you for supporting this ministry financially. Uh, some of you have helped lift the burden of four months of quietness, and it truly is a help. Thank you. We have incredible needs, financial needs, because we're not a rich church. We're rich in the spirit. But we're not a wealthy church in the sense that we could do it. We have our needs met, but we have a lot more needs. If anybody out there is a multimillionaire and you'd like to send a big gift to the ministry, we'll use it for good things, preparing God's ark and some other great stuff. 
But until that time, I want to thank everybody for the little bit that they're giving. It's a blessing. The Lord bless you. And if you would like to support this ministry, you could do it a number of different ways. And I'm just going to lay this out there for anybody wanting to see what they could do. On the screen, it's nwmglobal.org. And there's a donations tab. There it is. NWM stands for New Wine Ministry, by the way. NWMglobal.org under the donations tab. You could also give at OmegaRadio.org, OmegaRadio.org. And you could also actually text. If you're on your phone and you want to just text, all you do is you text to 410-88-OMEGA and then type in the word give. So if you're on your phone, you want to go to your text, you put in your text bar 41088-OMEGA, and then when it comes down there, just type the word give, and it'll lead you somewhere. That's really cool. They set that one up. And uh, also, there is a mailing address. If you would like to send your gift in the mail, P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. What is this? No gimmicks, no shrills, no golden oil, no fabrics. It is partnering with this ministry to supply it financially in every way. And if you would like to do that, may the Lord bless you richly for doing so. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm going to leave it right there. Um, Vito Yepto. I don't know who Vito Yepto is. Thank you. Hope I'm blessed. Praise God, Yepto. I hope you're blessed too. We'll talk again Friday. Have a great week. Keep your ears open. Keep your eyes open. Keep your head and your heart in the heavens. Remember Jesus is all you will ever need in this life. Wherever he's blessed you, thank him and share your blessings and give help. Be a good Christian. Let your light shine, right? And then get very close to his heart so you can hear the impulse, the heartbeat of your master, your savior, the great shepherd of your soul. He loves you. And remember, regardless how far away you may seem to be, you've drifted far away, the Lord allows U-turns. His arms are wide open. Come home. Get closer. Don't be part of the general masses that are going to die, you know, and, and then find yourself, you know, in, in some place you don't want to be. Just, just get it right. May God help us all to get it right. May the Holy Spirit invade our lives completely and totally. Shalom, folks. Right now on Omega Radio, there's a 24-7 radio station called OmegaRadio.org. Patricia Joy Xavier is ministering right now with a roundtable discussion out of her book, Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights. Have a great week. We'll see you Friday. Shalom.